Peace Misfits. For this episode, I'd like for us to work on creating a mantra for ourselves. Now, this isn't a mantra that you need to keep throughout the course of the year, or that could very well be what you choose to do. However, as you're going throughout the month of February and celebrating Black History Month, and if you so choose, as stated previously, to carry throughout the course of the rest of the year, I'd like for you to think of a mantra that you can keep with you, within your spirit, something that will unearth your light when you feel as though you've been covered in darkness. So we're going to go through several rounds of breath together, inhales and exhales. Let your inhale be the creation. Let your exhale be the birth. Take your time. And here we go. Inhale creation. Exhale birth. Again, I say take your time. Pause if you need to. In creating your mantra, never allow yourself to be rushed. This is personal. This is for you solely. And again, we inhale deep creation. Exhale birth. Allow yourself to feel it as best as possible, but also know this. Your mantra may not hit you in the moment of creation. When you decide to give birth, it may take time and that's okay. Continue to speak it over yourself. Continue to speak it until you truly feel it. But in this moment of creation, in this moment of birth, you begin that walk. And again, inhale creation. Exhale birth. Go through these rounds of breath for as long as you feel. You can end at three, you can end at 13. <laughs> it's completely up to where you feel comfortable. And again, I can't stress enough. Allow this to be your own personal journey. Feel it when you feel it. Please do not rush. My personal mantra that I'll share with all of you is I am joy never ending. Now that's personal for me. That is a part of my journey. My joy is at my root. And whenever I feel as though my branches are clipped, I always know that my joy is at the root and my happiness will always grow back. I hope that your mantra speaks to you now or speaks to you eventually. You'll get there. We all will in time. So, with that being said, misfits, let's get healed.
Welcome to The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast geared toward proving there's more than one way to heal. I am your host, Sensei Raven Ekundayo. What's up, misfits? (laughs) Uh, I believe it's been a little over a month since uh, I have created an episode, Uh, but here we are. I'm in a very interesting space in my life right now, and I believe we've talked about it. No, I'm fairly certain we've talked about it on the uh, on the show before of me kind of stepping back and not really forcing myself to make content uh, that plays a big part into the, the year of healthy selfishness of just kind of stepping back in, knowing that I need to pour into me a little more. And that looks like me not always posting episodes. Uh, I give thanks for all of you misfits out there who always remind me of past episodes that you've really enjoyed that you can't wait to hear new ones. All of that really means a lot. Uh, But I'm also thankful for those of you who have shared with me that you understand uh, from listening to what I've talked about on the show, my need to kind of have space in between doing episodes. uh, That means a great deal to me as well. Uh, Before I get too far into the show, I want to make sure to, uh, and I actually wrote this down so that I can make sure I'm saying this at the beginning of every episode, Misfits, please know that there are segment markers. If you go into the description of the show, Uh, you can go to those markers. If you make a decision that you want to skip past the meditation or skip past the check in or skip past culture of pop and go directly to what would some consider to be the the meat of the show. Um, However, since creating the check in, I've had several people inform me that that has now become one of their favorite parts of the podcast. Uh, But yeah, so just know that if you're using uh, one of the apps like Spotify or Overcast, you can go into the description and actually click on the uh, the segment markers and it'll take you directly to it for other uh, for other ones like maybe Google Play. I can only assume because with me having an iPhone, I can't use Google Play, but with Google Play or with Apple Music, you can see the segments, but you can't actually click on them. So you'll have to actually manually take yourself to that part of the episode. Um, either way, take full advantage of it. If you want to listen to the entire episode, I give thanks. However, you may want to hear one particular part. You know, you may listen to the episode more than once. <laughs> and around the second or third time listening, you'd like to just hop right to what you want to hear. This is what the segment markers are for. Again, uh, I'm grateful to anyone who chooses to listen, no matter if you skip ahead or listen all the way through. So, how have all of you been? <laughs> As for me, I've gone on quite the journey uh, since the last episode, and even leading up to it, but definitely from uh, when I posted the last episode until now, where we are in February, I've gone on quite a journey, especially in regards to my uh, anxiety and really getting uh, more of a grasp around exactly what this social anxiety looks like and it's funny because I did a whole episode on it and I've actually found myself going back and listening to it to educate myself about what I educated all of you on (laughs) Uh, where I stand right now is I feel as though it's getting worse Um, and of course words are important words are powerful so I want to be mindful of what it is that I'm putting out into the world but I have to be honest with myself Uh, I don't know I can't say I don't know where it started because I believe I've always had social anxiety. Even when I was younger, my goodness, I'm sure my mother could tell 
stories about how different my sister and I were. Um, how my sister had absolutely no problem walking up to celebrities and asking them for things, but I didn't want to go anywhere near them. Uh, I, I have always, not always, I can't say always. I think there was a period in my life where I was the complete opposite of where I am now. Uh, I had a period in my life where I could go into any room and speak to anyone at any time. I had no problem doing it. I could be in large spaces with lots of people and I was perfectly okay. I can think about clubs that I went to in my 20s, even in my early 30s living in New York. Uh, but I look at myself now and going into a room of 10 people that I don't know will make me shut down. And it has shown up quite a bit over the last few weeks. And so that's what I wanted to talk about as we get into the check-in. So going into the check-in, uh, I had an opportunity to go to uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the past two weeks. So I'm recording this actually on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday the 11th of February. And so on the 10th, I actually didn't go. That was the third and final time that Jamie Ratliff would be teaching at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. However, I did go the two previous weeks. And first, I want to give a shout out to one of my coworkers because she's the one who told me. Uh, she often would go to, uh, I guess it would be called Yoga in the Backyard or something like that. There's an, a place called uh, Home Depot Backyard that's right there on the, uh, the grounds of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, right outside of it where people would do yoga um, during the spring and summer, kind of akin to what I do on top of Stone Mountain. And she had informed me of it and said that she thinks that I would enjoy it. So I was like, okay, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, but when I went to look, it was actually in the stadium. And I was like, wait, this is even better. The funny thing is she's gone to so many of the, the backyard ones, but she didn't make it to a single stadium. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know when I'll ever have a need to go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I can't really think of anything. I'm not a big concert goer and definitely not for something that large, you know? I'm not a football fan. So with the exception of the, the wrestling fan in me that loves WrestleMania, <laughs> I can't really foresee myself going to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So I was like, well, let's take advantage of it because not only do I finally get to go to the stadium, but I get to be on the actual field. How amazing is that? And so, I was standing in line. I was one of the uh, one of the first people there when uh, I went the the first week, and I'm standing there not knowing anyone, and then the anxiety kicks in, and everything begins to feel really tight and small, and I like kind of put my arms around myself, and I'm just standing there looking at my phone, needing something to look at so that I don't have to make eye contact with anyone which is once again unlike me um <laughs> for those of you for those of you who are listening who have known me since i was younger you know that one of my major things has always been making direct eye contact with people i don't know it's it's been a big thing for me because i've met a lot of people who are dishonest and one of the ways of being able to find that out is by looking at them in their eyes and watching them turn away so for me it's really weird that i now feel kind of uncomfortable looking people eye to eye so I'm looking down in my phone and not really wanting anyone to talk to me. So we get through um, the gate after, you know, it's time for everyone to be let in. Um, after we sign some documents and all that stuff, uh, they allow us to go into the stadium. 
and I'm walking into the stadium and you know knowing a phobia I have of large open spaces I'm like kind of worried that it'll mess with me but it doesn't and I think mostly because I know when I'm around a lot of people that phobia kind of goes away uh, but we're walking in I'm feeling fine I'm like wow I am on the the floor of the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and we're walking across the field making our way to the stage where uh, Jamie will be teaching and so I'm in the second row because I'm like okay I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to be in the front but I also like I appreciate the fact that I can be second row <laughs> so I sit down and I begin to stretch and everything and then the anxiety shows up differently in the sense that I, well, I mean, not really different. I'm, I'm still feeling alone, uh, but I know that I'm like my mother in the sense that I can talk to anyone. So a part of me kind of wants to begin to talk to people, but I begin to feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, what if no one wants to talk to you? Um, I've been very honest about my journey here in Atlanta when it comes to finding my tribe, my yoga community. It is, It has been very difficult. Um... It has hurt because I I just knew I was going to come down here to Atlanta and find some really amazing people and that has not happened uh, and I want to be clear when I say it hasn't happened I mean as far as the yoga community I haven't really found a group of people who have really wanted to embrace me uh, I have been hurt by how elitist a lot of people are. I didn't see it coming. And um, there are circles I'm not even able to go into because of how some people view me. And it just sucks, you know? So that, that crept into me a lot while I was sitting on the field. But then after a while, I'm just like, screw it. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't be in this space. It's not me, you know? So I began to uh, hold conversation with some of the people around me and they were so sweet and they were so nice and it made the uh, it made the evening a lot easier for me. So we flowed and it was beautiful and it felt so great being a student again and not just focusing on being a teacher and I needed it and I needed it and I needed it. So I give thanks to Jamie for that. I really do. Uh, I came back the next week which would have been last week, last Monday. I came back and uh, several people said they were going to come with me. Um, the only one who ended up showing up was Michael, Mike Ward. Um, I don't think I've ever called him Mike before. Um, so shout out to Mike. Thank you so much. But he always does. Um, I feel like I could probably count on one finger a time that <laughs> I wanted him to show up for something and he didn't. It means the world. It really means the world because he doesn't have to. And I would understand he's shown up for me so much that I would understand if he didn't show up, you know, but he did. And he ended up coming in a little later. So we were nowhere near each other. And it was funny because the second week was the largest crowd. I believe Jamie said it was over a thousand people who were there. So I was literally all the way at the front. I put myself in the front row this time and he was literally all the way in the back. <laughs> but I told him, even with us being nowhere near each other, Knowing that he was there made me feel really good. And in the end, he ended up uh, coming up to the front, hugging me. We took some pictures together and stuff. And again, I was really cool with everybody around me. Great conversations. The energy, the vibe, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. 
And it's funny because I didn't get to go yesterday, but I'm looking on social media and I'm laughing because so many people that I know, and this is how I know how the universe works. So many people who I know who do yoga here in Atlanta were there yesterday. None of them were there the two weeks that I was there, but they all showed up for the very last one and I wasn't there. There was a reason, you know? I'm absolutely certain that there was a reason. Uh, at this point, I don't think that I could take finding out that there's some other elitist yogi <laughs> in Atlanta. Someone who you walk up to to give a hug and, you know, you believe after seeing them online that they're probably this wonderful person and then you find out not so much. Uh, I saw at least six people <laughs> who I walk with on social media who were there last night and I couldn't have taken that. I couldn't have taken finding that somebody who I believe is probably a really cool person via social media was actually not. So it's best that I wasn't there. <laughs> and I'll explain the reason why I wasn't there a little later. But uh, having that opportunity two weeks in a row to kind of get out of uh, my comfort zone, allowing myself to be uncomfortable and getting to, you know, kick that social anxiety to the side felt great. But the journey continued. And the journey continued because this past Saturday, I was honored to be asked to come teach, to tell my story at Sacred Chill West here in Atlanta. And I was invited by uh, a fellow yogi by the name of Giovanna Heyman, who uh, lives in California. And we met through Yoga Alliance. And he asked me if I would like to come and speak. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. And again, the anxiety took over. <laughs> uh, I was all types of nervous to go there. Um, I want to give a shout out to my dear friend Devin, who was with me. Uh, he accompanied me to the uh, to the studio, and I was grateful to have him there. Uh, when I walked in, I saw another yogi uh, who I have great respect for, named Kelly. And so I saw her, and between you know having her there and Devin there and Giovanna, these faces, these people that I know, it, it, it helped a little. However, Giovanna uh, brought me up in the, the middle of the circle because there were quite a few people there. There were quite a few um, and they were all going through their yoga teacher training. And so they're all, you know, they all have their notes, uh, notepads out, taking notes, listening intently. And he brings me into the circle just to introduce me really quick before the next speaker. And oh my goodness. I, <laughs> I felt like a little kid and I was looking at my body language and I was like, dude, you're really nervous. Like the anxiety was real. I was so anxious and just fidgeting and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I went and I sat back down and I was so in my head, like you want to talk about things that are written down, you know, you want to say this to them. You have notes, you want to speak. And I was like, but I, I don't, I don't want to do that. Instead, I want to speak from the heart because I feel like if I speak from the heart and not from something written down, that'll help me to get past my anxiety. So I went to stand in the circle when it was my turn and something just felt like I need to share. So I told them, you know, um, and I can't remember what I said verbatim, but pretty much I was saying, I believe in total transparency. That's what I said. Okay. I said, I believe in total transparency and because of that, I want to share with all of you that I'm battling social anxiety and I am 
really, really messed up right now. And I'm scared. And it's funny, it's making me kind of emotional just thinking about it right now. Um, I couldn't stop playing with my hands. I don't remember an instance where I've been in public where I've ever done that. In any of my public speaking, I don't remember ever doing that before. But I couldn't stop playing with my hands. I couldn't sit down. I felt too uncomfortable. Uh, for the first three to five minutes, I just stood while I talked. And it was funny because a woman asked me after I finished talking about it, if it was okay to take a picture. I mean, if, if it was okay to record me. And people started laughing and I felt bad because, you know, I, I laughed along with them, but I didn't want her because she apologized. And I was like, no, 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 don't apologize. I get that they were laughing because they're like, he just finished sharing that he's uncomfortable and now you want to record him. But it was the complete opposite. I, I understood, at least I assumed, I understood why she wanted to record me. And I'm like, no, that's, that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Um, I'm grateful that I did because after I finished speaking it, for, for the entire thing, um, she walked up to me and she let me know that her son battles social anxiety and she wanted to record me so she could share it with him. And we had an emotional moment and that told me all I needed to know. You know, uh, I don't have to get into everything that I talked about in detail. Um, I talked about my journey. I talked about what I believe is the importance of be uh, beginning the process of removing gender from yoga. Uh, I talked about people, especially women, allowing men to be soft in the yoga practice and not feeling the need to constantly put these ideas of what men are supposed to be on the mat, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was once again something else that was needed look at yoga showing up twice um <laughs> so so far in 2020 yoga has shown up in a way that it is not the entire time i've been in atlanta and i'm thankful for it i'm thankful i'm hopeful i'm grateful uh so yeah so that was uh I said, did I say Saturday? I meant Sunday if I said Saturday earlier, forgive me. So that was Sunday because Monday uh, was another opportunity to get uncomfortable. And that ended up taking place downtown, uh, the Atlanta Dinner Theater, which was hosted by Out of Hand Theater. So first I want to give a shout out to, a shout out and a thank you to my friend JL, who you all have heard on The Healing Space before, JL Reed. He invited me to be a facilitator for the event. I informed him that I was coming because I want to be able to support my friends as much as possible. So I was like, I'm going to be there. I can't wait, you know? And he immediately replied back with, oh, <laughs> would you be interested in being a facilitator? You know, um, he didn't just jump out and say facilitator immediately, but he shared with me that he felt like my energy uh, would be great for doing something a little more than just coming there to... Uh, to watch and I was like sure I would be honored and so I found out I was going to be a facilitator and I was a little nervous at first uh, but then I ended up speaking to Lee and Lee forgive me if I'm not saying your last name correctly Lee Osario uh, I spoke with him and he told me that there were going to be at least 200 people there nope <laughs> if you guys remember earlier, I told you that just the idea of being in a space of 10 people was a lot, you know. I think one of the only reasons why I did so well 
at yoga when there were over a thousand people is because I was in front. So I couldn't see a whole lot of people because they were all behind me. But the idea of being at a space with 200 people and I would be a facilitator was sheesh. Um, <laughs> so I went into the space last night and again, once again, I didn't even think about it until just now. Once again, thank you to Mike. Um, Mike showed up and I was standing at my table because one thing that kind of made me, you know, wipe my head like, phew, was when I found out that I would only be facilitating with for one table. Uh, there were a bunch of tables there and I was only facil facil facilitating, excuse me, for one. And I was like, oh, thank, thank God, thank God. <laughs> um, still feeling very anxious, you know, but just the idea that I wouldn't have to uh, be a facilitator for everyone who was there, you know, doing all of this talking in front of all of these people felt a lot better. So when I first got there, first of all, it took me forever to find the place, um, pouring down raining. But once I get inside, the guy who let me in walked away. And I was like, but I, I know you now, like you can't walk away. And he walked away and I closed in completely. Uh, it's funny how the universe works because I came in and I went and I stood literally in front of the table that I would end up being the facilitator for. But I didn't know, I didn't know. I just needed to get to a table where I felt comfortable. And I stood there while all of these people are just, you know, walking around, talking to each other, shaking hands, laughing. I feel terrified and I can't move. And so Mike walks up to me and he hugs me from behind and I just feel this huge relief and I hug him and I'm like, thank God, thank God you're here. So I end up still not moving um, other than going in, you know, signing and getting my name, my, my badge with my name on it that I didn't even know, you know, was a thing um, until Mike told me uh, I didn't move. And so I was telling Mike, you know, you can walk around. I really don't want you to feel as though you have to stand still with me just because I'm terrified. And he was like, no, it's totally okay. I'm good. You know, uh, that meant the world. <laughs> that meant the world uh, because I would have I would have been okay. I would have pulled up my phone and just put my face dead in the screen and not moved at all until, you know, he came back or once it started. But I was scared. I was scared because... I didn't know what would happen when everyone sat down. I didn't know what would happen with me facilitating if I would do a good job. Like I was really, really in my head. And then I began to fidget and I kept holding my arms, you know, folding my arms across me, kind of holding myself. I was really messed up. Uh, and then, you know, uh, to fast forward a little bit, we got to the point where it was time for everyone to sit at their tables. And I was so, so happy to find that everyone there was so loving, so loving, just like, you know, at Sacred Chill, everyone was so loving. Everybody at my team, everybody at my team, everyone at my table was amazing. Such wonderful people. Um, our reason for being there, which I did not state earlier, my apologies, was to talk about race in uh, the, uh, the theater uh, here in Atlanta, the theater community, and how race shows up, how racism shows up and so i was so happy to have you know black people white people asian all at my table and we had some very necessary sometimes uncomfortable conversations and i want to send love and light out to everyone at that table and everyone who was there in that space allowing themselves to talk so freely and openly about their journeys 
Um, and as far as I know, all of the conversations went very well. Uh, but what really touched me was that at the end, when, you know, everyone's kind of, I'm more comfortable now, so I'm okay with kind of, kind of walking around and conversing with people. But to have people say to me and to other people who they're talking with that I made it so comfortable for them and that they felt, felt relaxed with me. I was thankful, but I was also confused. Um, I was confused because I was talking to them the way that I'm talking to you all now. And my voice doesn't sound relaxing to me right now. So I'm like, I, I am grateful. I'm grateful that there's clearly something in me that I don't realize that makes people comfortable and relaxed. But to know that during this very difficult conversation, this uncomfortable conversation, that I played a part in making them feel relaxed, to me, shows that whatever it is that JL saw in me was true. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, thankful for the opportunity. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And I learned some things about myself in that night. I learned some things about myself over the, the last three um, events that I went to that I talked to you guys about. I learned a lot. I can already see at the beginning of the year that this year is going to look very different for me. And I welcome it with open arms. And that is the check-in. <laughs> now let's get into the culture of pop. So, The Good Place. The Good Place came to an end. It was the series finale. And let me first give a shout out to Kid Fury. Shout out to Kid Fury. I was listening to the latest episode of um, of The Read. And I'd fallen off from my podcast. I believe I talked about that with you guys. I'd fallen off from my podcast big time. But I was listening to The Read and he and Crystal were talking about The Good Place. And he was looking to catch up. But just the fact that the two of them were into The Good Place was like, <gasps> and I'm sure they've said it before. But just hearing it is like, thank you, because Lord knows I don't know anyone who's into The Good Place. I don't have anybody I can talk about it with. Not like I can talk to them. I don't know them personally. But <laughs> just hearing it was like, yes, black people who are into The Good Place. That rocks. But then, then he ends up mentioning that he's into community, too. And I'm like, dude, that one time we met in the club in New York, I really should have just exchanged numbers with you and become friends. Because <laughs> I don't have anyone in my life who is into community and to the good place that's my kind of comedy right there that's absolutely my kind of comedy if you watch both of those shows you can get my humor just like that seriously uh so that was really cool but um i believe crystal yeah crystal had watched it because she said that she believes that not only is it her favorite uh, series finale of all time but I believe she said it's her favorite show of all time and that's powerful because I don't know if anything will ever surpass Grey's for me um, Grey's has kind of gone in front of Sex and the City at this point but eh, I, I can say that The Good Place might be in my top 10 it might be in my top 10 along with Community uh, because the, the Good Place is a good show really it is well written it is well acted it is a very intelligent comedy you know um and this series finale had a lot of heart it really did and what i and i'm not gonna give any spoilers but what i liked about it is that well first of all going into it they let everyone know that it may not be the ending that you want you know but it's the ending that they chose and they believe that people will be happy with it and i think that they were right because there are some people 
who may have not liked the way that it ended. But I believe that it was a very real ending. And you know, I've all, I say to you guys all the time, I don't care for the word real. I believe that humans have destroyed that word. Um, however, I do indeed believe that it was a very realistic ending. I do. Uh, and I don't know. I, I, I can't say anything else without giving things away. But I give thanks for the way that it ended. I believe it was a beautiful ending. An inspiring ending. And for a lot of people, I, it gives us hope of what, you know, maybe an afterlife could look like. Who knows, truly, who knows what happens in the afterlife. Uh, but I would like to believe <laughs> that it could be the good place. Um, and one of the reasons why I know that I love the show, I always know I love a show when I can, one, watch it over and over again. And also if it can just be background noise for me. And The Good Place has been that. I have seen every season, with the exception of the most current one, of course, because all the episodes aren't just available to watch over and over. Um, but what Grey's Anatomy, uh, Community, and now The Good Place, Sex and the City as well, I can watch them over and over and never get sick of them never and the good place season one two and three i've watched all of them good lord and i'm not over exaggerating i really can't tell you how many times i've watched all three of those seasons i just turn them on i go to sleep to them i love the good place <laughs> i really do uh so i look forward to seeing i know uh jamila has something else coming up i don't know about um william or jacinto or ted i don't know what everyone else has going on but um, Darcy, uh, I don't know. Uh, Kristen, I know she'll be perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I look forward to everything that they're going to do. Um, Jamila, that's an interesting conversation for another day. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, but I send love and light out to her for her intentions. Um, and I won't get into it. And I feel like if I talk about it too much, I'll have no choice but to get into it. So I'll, I'll just say this. I believe that her intentions are genuine and are true. And I believe that society should be careful in the way that we demonize people um, because their hearts are good. Their intentions are good. And yeah, I'll leave it there. So then we move on to the latest episode of Grey's Anatomy, which a big part of that episode had to do with Levi, who is one of the interns. And he is in the very first um same gender relationship as far as men go on the show as far as you know like a uh a recurring char character uh we've had same gender relationships with people who identify as male in past seasons but they were like guest spots never someone who is a, a main cast member so it's been a big deal for me uh because there have been several relationships between um lesbians on the show but never any uh gay men so on this episode it was the journey of him and this is spoilers so forgive me um here's your opportunity to fast forward you know take advantage of that segment marker i was talking about <laughs> um okay so i'm gonna go into it now so he ended up finding out that his uncle was um in hospice and was dying so he went to see him along with his boyfriend and his uh, uncle just so happened to die as soon as Levi informed him that he was gay and so you found out later because his wife came and uh, it's a in Jewish tradition um, Levi was saying that you're not supposed to leave the body alone because their spirit can end up kind of just wandering 
so he wanted to stay until his wife came well his wife came and she was like you know we always had an agreement that when either one of us leave we leave and so you know she was like you got this and then ended up leaving so levi's confused like how could a wife just do that well you find out later on that his uncle was also gay and his partner of many many years shows up and breaks down everything to him you know his wife was kind of not necessarily a beard but they were and I've, I've seen this i've seen this in my own life um friends who you know decide that they love one another and they get into a marriage and it was it was the whole episode was very was very touching um and there are other storylines you know uh but i won't that wasn't the main thing i wanted to talk about even though the other storylines listen there are some some definite things coming up in this season <laughs> based off of what took place in the other storyline but as far as levi i thought that it was beautiful being able to see that storyline because it's true it's very true and for a lot of us we actually have that we have um older people in our lives who are queer who are trans you know who are non-binary that because of their age they didn't or don't don't still have the freedom that we have and i would love to do an episode on that one day about what that looks like you know of us not understanding the privilege that we have the privilege to just be as completely liberated in our spirit as we want to be and for these people that even though they're living in 2020 the trauma that they've been put through makes them unable you know at least is from from their point of view looking out onto the world unable to really be as free as they would like to be um so i thought that that was beautiful and i finally watched when they see us man oh man um <laughs> it was only four episodes but of course they were lengthy and with the exception of the first episode it wasn't as traumatizing as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> the first episode really did rock me. That was to watch those kids go through what they went through. That 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 did something. Um, but the other three episodes, I was okay. Uh, the acting was stellar, stellar. Everyone in that series deserves all of the flowers, all of them. Seriously, uh, it was it was just really well acted. And everyone knows how I felt about, um, Lord, what was that movie that Ava did? Uh, Lord, whatever it was that had Reese and Oprah in it. You see, I didn't care for the film because I can't even remember the name. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like that was just a one-off because everything else that Ava does is always so amazing always so amazing everything that i've seen from when they see us to 13 to uh selma to everything that she does queen sugar of course like everything that she does i always love and that movie whatever that disney film was was the rare exception and i'm not being smart when i say i can't remember the name i genuinely can't um, so shout out to everyone who was in when they see us i'm glad i finally saw it and it was great so that is culture of pop misfits we are now going to make our way into the uh theme of this episode which is the healing in endings so i'll see you on the other side so this week i wanted to talk about the healing in endings i decided to take the advice of a former friend 
which is interesting because I didn't even think about it. Um, I, it literally just came out of my mouth as I was saying it. It kind of hit me as I press record that uh, someone who is no longer in my life, the healing and endings, uh, was the person who shared this with me. They said that they appreciated listening to episodes of the podcast that weren't scripted. They loved to hear me just, you know, kind of speak from my heart, speak from the mind. And I decided to do that with this episode. Uh, there was very little that was scripted. As a matter of fact, nothing I actually said, you know, there were no sentences that I typed down and read. I just kind of gave myself notes as far as what I should talk about. And that was it. Um, I guess it's okay. (laughs) I'm attempting to not be as structured as I've always been. So with that being said, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth when I talk about this. Uh, so I don't know how long or short it will be. But I want to talk about the healing and endings. And I wanted to first start off by not only talking about Kobe, uh, but I will touch on what happened with Gail King. I said I was going to do it in the culture of pop, but I didn't want to kind of put the cart before the horse and talk about the whole situation with Gail and Snoop and everyone without even first acknowledging the passing of Kobe. So Kobe Bryant passed away on the 26th of January. And I'm not going to get into the stats and all of that stuff, Uh, you know, all of the great accomplishments that he made in the NBA. Um, It's not that they don't matter. Of course they do. Absolutely. But I admired and respected him so much on both levels, Not, not only as a basketball player, but also as a person. And this has been, he's one year older than me. Uh, This has been since he first got into the league, uh, that I felt this way. Um, Kind of when he was first just coming on the scene, you know. Uh, Because I believe he went, yeah, he went to the prom with Brandy before he even became a Laker, I believe. And I was like, wow, who is this guy? And for me, it wasn't, of course, he was an attractive guy. So I wouldn't, you know, sit here with all of you misfits and lie and say I didn't think he was attractive. But his drive his dedication to what it is that he wanted you know while a lot of people always considered him to be an asshole and to be uh selfish and all of those things lord knows the amount of times people would say things to me about they can't understand how he's my favorite player you know how is it that i love the lakers and i can still love him because he never gives the ball up and all of that stuff i heard so many things throughout the years but Um, anyone who, well, I can't really say anyone who's close to me, um, because there are lots of people who are close to me who didn't know how much I admired and loved Kobe. Um, I think that's what made the day that he passed so powerful for me because that day I was, Lord, I was in a really dark place. So, um, the one person who called me was my mom. And so I'll take you guys kind of through what it was that happened. So I'd come back in the house and I was with one of my friends and we came back in the house. I think we had just come for, yes, 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 yes. We came from the gym. So we came in the house and I uh, get notifications from uh, NBC. And so there was a notification that came on my phone and I, like, I couldn't move. I dropped my phone, thank God for carpet. I dropped my phone and my friend was like, what's wrong? And I couldn't speak. 
And he was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I give you guys my word. I, I'm not being dramatic. I, I could not speak. I was just in shock and I just stood there. And I was looking at him and I wanted to say something, but I couldn't even like wrap my head around what to say to him. Because in my mind, I was thinking to myself, if I say to you that Kobe's dead, like I could see you being like, oh no, but you won't feel what it is that I'm feeling, you know? So I don't want to make this awkward because you're going to wonder why I'm so stupefied, but And so I sat down on the floor because I couldn't even stand up. I sat down and I just stared off. And I think I did that for at least 10 minutes. And, you know, he just sat next to me and allowed himself to be there for me as I was going through this process. And then my mother called. The only person who really understood not only how much I love the Lakers but how much I love my uh my wow how much I love Kobe and she says she just wanted to check on me you know and my mother's learned me so she started the conversation light you know because she didn't know if I knew or not so she started a light you know wanted to gradually take me there but she could tell from the tone of my voice that I must have heard already but it meant so much to me because I know I don't talk about, one, that I like basketball because I hardly watch it the way that I used to. But my love of the Lakers and definitely my love of Kobe. My mother's the only one who really understood that, you know. She brought me his number eight jersey when <laughs> when I was younger, you know. Like, I, I was always big on that dude. Always, 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 always. And I never viewed him the way that everyone else did. Never. For all of the insults and things that people threw at him, I was always in his corner, you know? Whenever the Lakers were doing bad, that this is the one thing I can say. I feel those people who are fans of teams, even when they're in their worst, because that has been me as a Lakers fan. And I very seldom use the word fan, so this is interesting. Um, but yeah, as as a Lakers fan, I I never wavered, ever. Didn't matter how bad or how bad they've been, you know. Um, I went to go see them last year. Uh, one of my friends took me to the game and they lost. And I'm sitting there like, how did you lose to Atlanta? <laughs> like, I was so happy that I got to see LeBron, you know, but my team doesn't lose to. But yet and still, I'm still in their corner. You know, I walked out proudly a Lakers fan out of State Farm Arena. You know, I'm like, I'm still a fan. <laughs> but so, you know, I got off the phone with my mom and I just sat there a little while longer. And I couldn't move, but I knew that me and my friend were supposed to be going out to get food. So, you know, got dressed and everything, changed my clothes, changed out of my clothes and everything. We went to eat, and of course, you know, with news just hitting, it was all over, all the, all of the televisions in the restaurant we went to. And that's when we found out that Gianna, Gigi, had also perished in the helicopter crash, along with seven others. And when I saw about Gigi, because that had come to me on my phone as well, I think that's what it was. I was online and knowing that I shouldn't be online and so I went to Google thinking okay I'll be okay you know it, it's just talking about him and I saw that already 
Um, there we go. I'm sorry. That wasn't what it was. I wasn't going to look for anything. I went to um, Google to type in something from the restaurant. And, you know, on the main page of Google, it shows you news stories. Well, the top story said that his daughter had also perished. And I looked up at my friend and he took the phone and looked at it. He closed my phone and kept it on his side of the table. And he was like, I don't think that you need to look at your phone anymore for a while. And I was thankful for that because when I found out about Gianna, that was it. Like... That was it. Because in my mind, you know, it's like the the idea of Kobe passing wasn't even close to settling in. Not even close, you know. But if it had, in my mind, I would have been able to think to myself, of course, you know, he has his wife, he has three daughters, so of course his legacy will continue. But Gianna specifically, you know, Mamba Sita, that was going to carry his legacy on, you know. She was going to carry his legacy on. And she died along with him. And I I couldn't. I'm not sure if I still can. You know? For either of them. Mostly because he was entering into an entirely new chapter of his life. How beautiful, you know? This second chapter, after spending all of these years dedicating your life to being the best when it comes to basketball... Here you are after you retired winning an Oscar for a short film. And finally, now that you were off the court, people were finally being able to see the Kobe that I always knew that he was, you know, and all of these wonderful stories that have been coming out from people, you know, talking about his selflessness after being considered selfish for so long and how he showed up for so many different people in so many different ways and never felt the need to have things publicized, you know? And that meant a lot because even though I never met that brother in person, I always felt a connection and I can't really explain why. I just always really felt a connection to him and never felt a need to really talk about it with a lot of people, mostly because whenever I did have conversations about Kobe with people, there was never anything positive to say. So after a while, I just stopped talking about it. I knew very few people who actually did like Kobe Bryant, you know, and I always talk about how I separate my love of a person's profession from who they were personally. I tell people that about Brandy all the time, you know, um, I love Brandy's music. I kind of do my best to stay away from her personal life. But it was never that with Kobe. And with that, I'll kind of flow into the whole situation with Lisa Leslie and Gail King. Um, I didn't hide from what it was that, that, that took place with him years ago when, you know, it came to the, the, the accusations of when he slept with the woman, you know, of rape. I, I didn't shy away from it. I didn't move away from how I felt about him, you know, even though in my mind, I was able to be honest, you know, and I, I had conversations with my friends about it. Like if he's found guilty, I'm ashamed. Again, I don't know the brother personally, but have respected and admired him greatly for many years. I, it wasn't a situation where I'm like, I don't believe her. But also I felt like, even though once again, I've never met him, the image of what Kobe was for so long, 
for so long, you know, for all of the people who disliked him, he still was very much the innocent person. You know, Kobe didn't do wrong. Even though the word perfect shouldn't be used for any human being, that's how people saw him. I feel like that's another reason why people disliked him, you know? And I feel like that's something that I had in common with him. And that's only something that I've come to understand and really get recently. With talking to people about my social anxiety, it has allowed people to relate to me. And it was always confusing to me because I assumed that people could relate to me because I don't know, like I'm queer, I'm black, you know. I'm being very, you know, genuine right now in, in my confusion. I never really got why people didn't relate to me. The response that I've received from people when it comes to my social anxiety has been so different from a lot of things in my life. Um, people thanking me for being able to speak in a way that they're not able to speak when it comes to what it is that they're battling. I've had friends share with me that I've had people stop being my friend because they thought that I was too perfect. I've had friends tell me they can't relate to me at all because I f they feel like I've received everything. I never understood it. I have lived with so much pain in my life, you know, so much pain. And I think that's why I felt like he was a kindred spirit. Because I saw that he wasn't this person that everybody wanted him to be, you know. They wanted him to be this, this asshole, this person who believed that they were perfect. And this situation that happened with the young lady allowed him to become human, you know. And I don't even believe he got his first tattoo until after that whole thing happened. He, it was almost like he allowed himself to come down off of that pedestal that everyone had put him on. And even though his desire for the game, you know, to, to play, to win, to be perfect in a sense in basketball hadn't changed. He himself allowed himself to be a little bit more human in the eyes of everyone around. And he was acquitted, you know, it was, it was, was seen as him not being guilty anymore. Um, I want to make sure that I'm saying that correctly, uh, because I believe that the thing was, there was a settlement that was made. There we go. There was a settlement that they came to. Um, and so we get to the interview with Gail King and Lisa Leslie. And I want to kind of shift gears. Because the conversation still remains about Kobe. But I want to talk to the misfits. I also want to talk to anyone who's listening, who may be listening to this for the first time. Or someone who doesn't consider them a misfit and just likes to, you know, hate listen to the podcast. I want to speak to all of you because I take serious umbrage with the way that people have been coming at Gail King. I say that as someone who just finished sharing with you my love and respect for Kobe Bryant. I too am a journalist. Ran my own magazine for five years before that, paid my dues writing for different newspapers and magazines. I understand what it means to be a journalist, you know? I want to make it clear that I do not agree with the way that Gail King went about that questioning with Lisa Leslie. Not at all. I believe it was in bad taste, uh, mostly because I believe that she could have asked the question and once Lisa responded the way that she did, Gail could have moved on. I do not care for the fact that she kept 
prodding her, you know, goading her into saying more. I do respect the way that Lisa responded. Absolutely. With great class. With great class. This is no disrespect towards Gail, who I believe is a, a wonderful journalist, you know. I, I don't know the reason why she felt like she needed to keep going. I know she said that she kind of wanted to create a space for Leslie, for Lisa, excuse me, Lisa Leslie to be able to give the answer she did in the end when she said she kind of needed the the media to step back, you know. Um, and, but in my mind, I'm like, I don't really think that that's what Gail was going for. I'll never know I'm that Gail, you know. However, how and ever, the response, the the blatant, disgusting misogyny that has come since this has been absolutely horrendous. And what has been mind-blowing to me is watching how many men and women have come to the defense of people like Snoop, who, if I can be completely honest, I was completely taken aback when I watched his video. This man of this specific age, what is Snoop, like 50 or something like that? This this elder, you know, he goes and he speaks online calling this woman who's older than him out of her name and threatening her. And yet there are men and women who are defending him. I ask anyone who's listening, because I know there are misfits who are listening who probably agreed with him. I ask that you all please contact me via, if you're if you're a personal friend, via text, or for those of you who are misfits just out in the universe, tweet me, you know, DM me on Instagram, on Facebook. Let me know why, because I, I need an understanding of why you feel it's okay Especially in this era of so many people talking about the importance of showing up for women, about the need to respect women, especially in this patriarchal society. What he just did is what it is that we all have been rallying against, you know? And I'm watching as people like Mark Lamont Hill are being attacked, attacked. Just because he came out and said that, yes, we can absolutely hold Gail accountable for what she did, but why do we have to call her out of her name? And people start attacking him. Someone talk to me. Tell me how any of this makes sense. How any of this makes even a, a, a small, small bit of sense. Where are we? Where are we when we can call our mothers out of their name, our aunts out of their name, our wives out of their name? Where are we? Where are we when we can threaten a woman publicly and there are no repercussions for that? None. As a matter of fact, you have men and sadly women who come to your aid and say that you are right for this. I was listening to the Ricky Smiley show when they had him on the show a couple of days later and he didn't recant any of what he said and the people on the ricky smiley show backed him up men and women how why nothing he said was right with the exception of it didn't need to be said right now and i agree with that his entire story needs to be told meaning kobe bryant his entire story needs to be told. This is 1,000% true. 
However, why now? You know? With everything that was going on in his life, so many different things, you could have brought it up at any point in time, back around again. We know how social media works. Or even you could have waited at at the very least until his body was cold in the ground. But only hours, if that, after his death, people began to bring that up. But, however, once they do, the way that you respond back in what I'm assuming is pain is by attacking the... And and this is my issue with society in general. This is the reason why this podcast exists. It is a healing space. And while we heal in this ending of Kobe Bryant's life, I would love for us to also heal through the ending of misogyny. I really would, you know? I, I really can't wrap my head around why it, it appears as though we've made so many strides forward and so many black men have attempted to show that they can show up for women. Yet when this situation happened, we, and, and mind you, we're, we're all rejoicing in the fact that black men have allowed themselves to be emotional publicly, to cry without shame. And yet you turn around and show how much work we still need to do. There is absolutely no reason why a grown-ass man should feel as though he has any right to attack a woman the way that Snoop attacked her. And that goes for anyone else. I, you know, I can only imagine what other people have said. There's no right. And we exist in a society now where, and, and I think back to what Joaquin Phoenix was saying at the Oscars, one of the few things I actually did watch of that, um, of that telecast, when he was saying that we, there are so many people who have forgiven him and given him second chances, you know? And what would it look like if we could do that for others? Just an opportunity for people to be able to have second chances. And we don't create a lot of space for that now. This cancel culture is so strong. And I know, I remember maybe a decade or so ago, I was thinking to myself, what begins to happen when even more of our elders are passing away? You know? Those who we admire and respect and hold in such high regard, what will happen? Will we have others who can come up behind them? And I sit here now and I'm just like, not if we continue the way we are now. Because we tear everyone down. We absolutely should hold everyone accountable. Everyone. Myself included. All of you who are listening. We should all be held accountable for what it is that we do. However, treating people as if this one thing that they've done, you know. Because everyone was just, just talking about how amazing Gail was. For how she held herself together during the interview for, for with R. Kelly. Everyone celebrating her everyone she's so amazing such a great journalist so I'm, I'm so proud to be a woman you know all of these things admiring gail king and then this happens what a year later you would have never known you would have never known and people have been attacking oprah for god knows how long like it's it's wild you know it's wild and the only reason why i say that is because i'm in no way saying that gail or oprah are perfect And just like I've talked about Obama having things that I took issue with, the same can be said for them. But my thing is, is that if you've loved and respected them for years, how is it something like this 
with what she said when it came to Kobe with her interview with Lisa, able to make you completely be done with her altogether. That? That's what's going to make you no longer have any love or respect for Gail King. Gotcha. What I've come to learn is that people are fair weather. Very much. And they allow for their trauma, their pain, and what it is that they've been through to overshadow anything when it comes to anyone else. You're gone. I'm getting rid of you. The world needs therapy. Period. So, I want to move on from that. And I want to continue to talk about the healing and endings uh, with a personal story of my own. Because I had several endings take place in 2019. Um, The most significant one being a 10-year friendship that I ended. Of course, I'm not going to mention any names. But this gives me an opportunity to kind of get a little deeper into the reason why it can be healthy to end things. The healing in it is understanding when chapters are done and accepting it. You know? The healing in it is allowing yourself to reflect back on the journey that you had with this person or with these people, all according to how many endings you have. And seeking to get an understanding of the love, you know, the sadness, the pain, the hurt that you can go through with these people, the joys, how you rise, you know, allowing yourself to go through these journeys, allowing yourself to feel it, allowing yourself to understand it, being there, not hiding from it. There's healing there, not running back. You know, and we've all done it. We've all done it, whether it's relationships, whether, you know, romantic relationships, whether it's platonic. We go back. It happens, you know. But the beauty is in when we can understand and clearly see the ending. And that's what happened with my friendship. After 10 years, I was able to see a clear ending when The signs were on the side of the road for a long time. I just decided to keep driving past them. I'd had other friends who had gotten off at other exits, you know. Like, good for you that you keep going. And I stayed on that road. But finally, I reached a point where I couldn't turn back around, you know. I came to my own exit. And I made peace with it. That I could no longer continue on that road. That I couldn't go back to where we used to be. That this was my ending. And it felt like peace because as I've talked about on the podcast at nauseum at times, the importance of peace of mind, man oh man, you know? It's important. Deeply, deeply important, your peace of mind. And when you can see that you will not have said peace of mind if you continue in this romantic relationship, if you continue in this friendship, if you continue in this family, then you make a decision that you have to leave. And then after that, you work on finding the peace, finding the healing in the ending of things. 
Now, not everyone can wrap their head around the idea of endings. This goes, once again, for romantic relationships, for friendships, for family. A lot of time, people can't let go of family. But we have to be clear with ourselves that blood may connect you, but the physical body can remove itself. This is for certain. Your peace of mind is too important. If you are in a romantic relationship, I'm well aware of Stockholm Syndrome. Very aware, you know. But when you are in a relationship and when you can see that things are not going to change, and this doesn't necessarily have to just be with your your partner, could be the innocent one, you know? You have to look at yourself and be able to say that maybe you are truly the one with the problem. Even in that instance, you have to be able to look for the ending. And that takes work. It takes work no matter who you are to be able to get to a place where you can say to yourself, this is it. And what that looks like is you being able to show up for yourself. Because if you remove yourself from some of these situations, it could leave you alone. You know? And this gets into how much do you like you. In leaving that friendship that I had with this person for 10 years, I had to say to myself, we have meant a great deal to each other. A great deal. And I have to make it clear that this friendship that I ended, I believe that the person is a genuinely sweet and kind spirit. But they are a very troubled spirit. And it was beginning to have an impact on me mentally and emotionally, which in turn would have begun to have an impact on me physically. And I couldn't have that. Not anymore, you know. We had been through several ups and downs, and I stayed on the roller coaster until I decided that it was time for me to get off. And I wish nothing but the best for them, and I pray that they have found their own healing. I pray that in our ending, there's some type of revelation that they've had about life. I can only hope. I know for me, there is a huge weight of stress that has been taken off of my shoulders. A lot of anxiety has been removed, you know? I am absolutely in a better place. I was asked by a friend if I could foresee us being friends once again further down the road. I can't. And I'm glad that I can be honest with myself about that. Could I see us being associates? Maybe not even that. I could see myself speaking to them in public with absolutely no ill will whatsoever. Definitely. I could see myself hugging them and genuinely wishing the best for them. But the problem that we often run into is that we believe that just because we patch things up, it means we have to go back to things. That is not true. You know? Allowing yourself to heal is absolutely necessary. Making the choice to be a part of the healing of someone who you feel as though you don't have to, that's wonderful too. That's selfless. And if you know that you are strong enough to be there for their healing, by all means do it. But know in both of those instances, that doesn't mean that you have to go back. Okay, 
I'm healed. That means that we can at the very least be friends again. Oh, wow. They're, they've healed. They're in a much better space now. That means that we can be all good. Neither of those have to be the truth. The truth is, is that you can heal. They can heal. You can love them from a distance. You can respect the journey that they've made. You can love and appreciate the journey that you've made. You can see that both of you are far better people now. That doesn't mean that this next chapter includes the two of you together. In any way, this can be a family member who has finally woken. They finally understand the error of their ways. Or you, on the flip side, could understand the way that you've treated this family member, all the things you've done to them, and now you're in a better space. That does not have to equal being in each other's lives on a regular basis. It doesn't. That is also what healing looks like. It will not always be easy. More often than not, it will be very painful. Sometimes it can be sad and lonely. But look to the other side. Always keep your eyes on the light. It will get very dark. But know that around that corner, something's going to be shining and waiting. We have to make an effort to heal. We cannot allow ourselves to lie in the trauma of what it is that we've been through. We keep ourselves in very toxic relationships when we do this. That work, more often than not, shows up in therapy. It shows up in talking to people who you trust with your secrets with your pain, people who you know will give you true, honest answers of what they think you need to do, not yes people, people who are honestly looking out for your best interests at heart. Seeing a therapist and not giving up on the sessions because you're not hearing what it is you want to hear, the truth is you're more than likely hearing what you need to hear. And that won't always fall in line with what it is that you want to receive. But the goal is an ending that is healing for you. Allow yourself the space to heal. Allow yourself the goodbye that is necessary. Allow yourself to understand that just because you may not share space with this person anymore doesn't mean that you can't send them light and love whenever you you see fit. It is possible. It is possible to love someone from a distance. It is possible to love yourself first. It is possible to heal through your endings. All right, guys. It's time for good news. See you on the other side. And now it is time for good news. And my only good news this week is that kindness is not dead. You know, (laughs) it really isn't. Uh, I would like to say thank you to everyone who showed up for me um, emotionally uh, over the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, it has been very, 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 very much needed. I am honestly not aware of what has triggered my social anxiety to become so, so bad. Um, that has made it so difficult to be in a lot of spaces uh, that weighs on me daily. I don't know why I'm in a space now where I suddenly get emotional out of literally nowhere. Um, I'll just be sitting, you know, just like living life, <laughs> like maybe texting on my phone or watching television. And suddenly I just get this wave over me where I just want to cry and I become really, really sad. And I don't know where it's come from. Uh, I am going to be seeking therapy. Uh, it has been a very long time since I've been to a therapist, but I do believe with where I am now, it is important. But with that being said, I want to say thank you to everyone who has taken their time with me, who has been gentle with me, who has shown up for me. Um, it has meant a great deal because I can admit that at times I felt quite embarrassed. And even when surrounded around a lot of people, I felt very lonely. Um, thank you to those who have shared their stories with me when hearing my story about how they have also battled or have been battling with social anxiety and how me speaking up has made them feel like they can speak up as well. I've gone a very long time with feeling like people don't understand me. And it's interesting that I, I didn't know that in instances like this, you know, I feel seen because others feel seen. I feel seen because other people didn't know that or, you know, even if they did know, they didn't expect that they would come across someone who would speak about it out loud. I'm grateful for you. For those who are listening, who have been a part of this healing journey for me so far, I give thanks for you. Thank you. You know, I may not be able to say everyone by name, but you know who you are. And I'm so very grateful for you. That's not only good news, that is great news. If you would like to be able to walk with us on social media... That would be uh, THS Podcast on Instagram and underscore THS Podcast on uh, Twitter. The website is wertlm.com. Uh, I'll make sure to let everyone know when THS Podcast is back up. Just know that if you go to wertlm.com, you will be able to get to the Healing Space website. Uh, please make sure that you all are listening to the uh, podcast across all platforms. If you're on Apple, please do me a favor and write a review. Also, please give us five stars. Uh, for all of you who give us five stars, it makes it easier for people to find the healing space on Apple Podcasts, which in turn will maybe help them to heal a little bit. Um, if you are listening on Spotify, Overcast, any of these places I ask that you please subscribe, as well as Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us. Um, I receive notifications for everyone from the friend, uh, Lord knows, uh, the read, the friend, why is that? I just said the name of the damn show earlier. Is this 40? <laughs> the friend zone. Jesus. The friend zone. Um, him, which I haven't listened to in forever. I have to listen to that again. Hey to my friend family. Hey, hey to my him family i need to end this let's get to the end of good news <laughs> but yes please make sure that you are subscribing so you can receive notifications about our new episodes the way i receive notifications from those awesome podcasts 
uh, yeah, if you'd like to walk with me on social media, that is Scorpi Yogi. S-C-O-R-P-I-Y-O-G-I. That is my name across all of social media, no matter if it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You type in Scorpiogi and you'll get me. I more than likely won't add you on Facebook. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> That's my personal page. I would more than likely like for you to go to my uh, my like page, which is Sensei Raven Ekundayo. Uh, just I'm kind of weary of that kind of stuff. You know Facebook is kind of like the 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 family site so i kind of want to know people on a, a little bit deeper level before i allow you to add me on there but by all means i'll put a lot of things uh inspirational things on my sensei raven akundayo page so go ahead and add that and that's it i think i'm done uh i greatly appreciate all of you uh, i'll be conducting some interviews soon for the podcast uh so hopefully There'll be another episode up by the end of the uh, by the end of the month. If not, then we're going to look towards March. Um, I hope that you all continue to enjoy your Black History Month. For those of you who celebrate it, have an awesome Valentine's Day. And yeah, I'm gone until next time. I love you all so, so much. Continue to push the healing. Get through. See the light. Respect the darkness, but see the light. I love you. Namaste.